You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Ain't no sense in going home. Ain't no sense in going home. Jody's got her girl and gone. Jody's got your girl and gone. Ain't no sense in feeling blue. Ain't no sense in feeling blue. Jody got your sister too. Jody got your sister too. Sound all. One, two. Sound all. Three, four. Break it on down. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Hey, hey, Sergeant Hardy. Hey, hey, Sergeant Hardy. And with that, we know what that means. It's time for another David's Pick on America's Web Radio. And we have another military guest on with us today, Mr. Kurt Kennedy, or Kennedy, depending on the spelling you have. Anyway, uh, Kurt, welcome to America's Web Radio. Well, thank you, Dave. I really appreciate this. It's, uh, it's the first time for me to be involved in kind of a web radio type broadcast. Well, we're we're a little different, and uh, we uh, this is not only David's pick, but it's also uh, our salute and uh, working with and. Uh, information about the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, and we also throw in something that's very near and dear to your heart, and that's the Johns Creek Healing Wall that's uh, actually right around the corner from where I live in Johns Creek, so I know it well, and uh, in both cases, they have outstanding people. The Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, the director is Rick White, Rick, uh, Colonel Rick White, I should say, retired. Uh, Rick is just a fantastic guy. I've never met anybody nicer or more helpful than uh, Rick has been, and we're proud to be working with him. I guess that's the best way to say it. And then... Uh, uh, another colonel is uh, Mike Mazel, retired, and uh, Mike is the uh, president of the Johns Creek Veterans Association, of which you're a part, and uh, again, uh, Mike has done a wonderful, wonderful job with uh, getting the uh, healing wall in. It was it was the uh, 50% version, 50% size version of the uh, Vietnam Wall in Washington, D.C. that traveled the country. And, you know, when I first heard Healing Wall, I didn't know all uh, all of the stories by any means. Still don't know all of the stories. But at the same token, it has done a wonderful job of healing for many, many families that lost, and many folks that lost friends or family in Vietnam. So with that being said, Again, Kurt Kennedy is with us today, and Kurt's been very active in the Healing Wall, and uh, looking forward to talking about it. And uh, give us a little rundown of, of um, your background, Kurt. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm a native of Denver, Colorado, and uh, as as a Texan, we won't hold that against you. <laughs> I was born and raised in, in Denver, and uh, I think when I was about eight eight or nine years old, my parents divorced, and my mother remarried uh, when I was in high school to uh, an, uh, uh, what was it, Air Force tech sergeant, and we, we moved to base housing at Laurie Air Force Base in Denver, and uh, that was my first orientation to the military. Uh, the second orientation was, you know, we had to go to Fitzsimmons Army Hospital uh, for our medical. And uh, that's when I got to see a lot of returning wounded veterans coming back to the, the States for healing. A lot of them were amputees and everything like that. It was my first introduction there. Um, and I knew a lot of the uh, enlisted men there because we lived in base housing. We could use all the facilities. And, uh, and so... Uh, after a year of college, and I dropped out for what I perceived as financial reasons. I, I don't know. I could probably think better about that in today's terms. But uh, I chose to join the Army, and uh, I did a I did a four year enlistment, uh, and that was for a European duty. And so I went into the Army in February of 1966. 
I did uh, did my fort uh, my basic training at Fort Bliss, Texas, and AIT at Fort Belvoir, and then you know I did a three year tour in Germany, and uh, I was uh, classified as a 62C Charlie, which was missile equipment maintenance, and I was attached to a Nike Hercules missile unit in Germany, and stayed with that unit when I came back to the states. So that's kind of the the. The, the brief story uh, Europe Europe was good uh, you got to travel it's easier to travel in Europe their travel infrastructure transportation is pretty well developed so you could go to Paris on the weekend you could go to Copenhagen on the weekend you know I, I know very well in that I've got a um, son that's in the Air Force station in Germany and he and his wife uh, almost every weekend go somewhere and the fact they were in France this past weekend and um, they loved it. They, in fact, uh, un- I say unfortunately, uh, he's not looking forward to it. But his his old man is looking forward to it. They're moving. Uh, his next assignment will be in uh, at Shaw Air Force Base in uh, South Carolina. So, oh, uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to being closer to home than uh, than he is. But it's been a it's he's he's. Uh, he was stationed in Hawaii to begin with, and then in Korea, and then in um, to Germany. And uh, now he'll be in the States for a while, and then who knows where he'll go. I do think he's going to career it, so he's, uh, he's got a, a little ways to go. But I'm very, very proud of him. That, and, that's great. You know, I want to throw this out, too, Kurt, and I try to do this in, in almost every show that that I wind up doing, and I don't, believe it or not, I don't do that many shows, but um, the military, and just like you were exposed to it, uh, I was in, they have tagged what I did in the military as Vietnam era, and uh, I don't know if that's E-R-A or E-R-R-O-R, it may have been, it may have been the latter, I'm not sure, but anyway, um, they have a new name for us, but Right now, and I've seen this with my son, my younger son, the military is fantastic. And if you're a graduating senior from high school or college or wherever wherever you happen to be in life, or your grandparents are listening or parents are listening today, if your daughter or son hadn't considered the military, then they should take a look at it. Just like Kurt said, it's a heck of an opportunity to travel the world, and it's also training that you can't get anywhere else in the world, and it's some of the best training ever. And it can be in computer science. It's just so diversified that there's no end to it. And I highly, highly recommend any young person look and consider the military for their career or if it's only for four years or six years, whatever you want. But uh, they offer so much, everything from flying to uh, being a desk jockey, being in the medical profession, and uh, you also can get a great education from the military and the service that you perform. So that that's my spill, Kurt. Yeah, well, and, but you're absolutely right uh, because it affords the uh, the opportunity. We'll, we'll see the world. Uh, you do get some excellent training, um, and it opens a lot of doors. You know, when when I came back to the states, uh, you know, I had a top level security clearance, and uh, even in today's environment, somebody coming out of the military with a top level security clearance, you know, you get a lot of job preferences. Sure. So, it's a great opportunity, and uh, and unfortunately, I don't see or haven't seen. Maybe they're doing it, and I just don't know it. But uh, I haven't seen that many um, promotions for the military. And uh, again, I recommend it highly. And if you join the military, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kurt, but you will be joining the biggest fraternity or sorority in the world. And once you, it doesn't matter what branch you're in, what branch you wind up being in, and it really doesn't, today it used to make a whole lot of difference, but not today. It doesn't matter whether you're an E1, which is the lowest end of the totem pole, or 
uh, five-star general. You're part of the same fraternity. You raise the same right hand and take the oath, and it's incredible. But you can pick out a veteran, any kind of a veteran, across the room in almost any bar, you know? And, oh, you, you can tell the difference. Else. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you can always tell the difference of... Uh, of uh, Guys and ladies who serve and, and ones that didn't. There is a difference. There's no doubt about it. Yes, sir. And uh, at this point, I ought to uh, pass on one other thing. Thank you for your service. Oh, and, thank uh, you for yours. You know, it's uh, it's all it's all part of the love of country. And uh, you know, it's it's funny too, Kurt. And well, I'll just ask you. Uh, okay, situation is. We need to uh, call your expertise up. Would you Would you come back in for uh, six months or three years or something? At my age? Yeah. Gee whiz. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't had a vet on or in the studio that and uh, we're about the same age or we are the same age. That, yeah. That hasn't said, "Oh yeah," in a heartbeat. If they would let me back in, I'd join. Well, he sure would, but, you know, uh, and, and if people would uh, kind of listen to some of these old heads, because you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge and practice that, uh, that you can pass on. Oh, yeah, well, we uh, we have uh, General Dix, Richard Dix. Uh, that oh, know him well. They, okay, well, uh, then you know what I'm going to say. Uh, he got called back in. He, he was a general retired, and the pandemic came along. And because uh, Richard is a uh, logistics expert, uh, he was called back into the service, and he's been working on the pandemic and uh, making sure the right mask goes where and the right ventilator goes where, and if one's over here and it needs to be over there, well, he gets it taken care of. And um, so uh, we missed him. Yeah, because he's a real real stand-up guy, because I met him at at a meeting at the uh, Johns Creek Veterans mm-hmm. uh, uh, Association, and as a matter of fact, I'm I'm one of the founding members of that organization as well. Oh, so it, I, it I, is a, a very I've been there once. Oh, this is another question I always ask our guests, and and the Johns Creek meeting is is a good example of it. As a matter of fact, have you ever met a veteran that can tell only one story? I'm, I'm telling you, there's, uh, there's a couple of these guys. We, we could just go on forever. <laughs> um, and uh, we, we had that sort of camaraderie there at the wall, you know, in our in our our lapse time, where where we're waiting for uh, supplies or waiting for people to assemble. I mean, no end to the stories guys would tell about their <laughs> service and you know things they were doing outside of service after coming out. But uh, they're always interesting, and I, I remember when I, I went to one of the meetings at Johns Creek, and uh, there was a um, gentleman there at, at the table I was sitting at that uh, was a submariner, and uh, oh, submarine Mike. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know Mike. Uh, and he does have a couple of stories. Oh yeah. And I'm sure they're all true. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> and and not embellished at all. You know, he, he, he tells a, an interesting story about, you know, how he got into the Marines, I mean, to the submarine units, and, uh, and that was fascinating to me because I said, well, gee, uh, you know, tell me about, you know, floating around in that tin can. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he, he really uh, he really lays it out, and there's no doubt about it. Well, you know, as far as I'm concerned, and I've only been in the ones that, uh, like in, uh, I think one in... Um Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, you can just say submarine, and I get claustrophobic. Yeah, well, you know, I I told Mike that uh, I thought it was interesting. I said, but you know, I'm I'm six foot five, and I, and I told him I said I don't think I would do too well. He said, oh, we have some tall guys in there too. I said, <laughs> but they bumped their heads a lot. Yeah, you know, you, you gotta. There should there should have been when you go through one of those little holes. Uh, there should be a a speaker that says, 
Okay, squat or something. <laughs> As you're coming close to it, it should it should warn you, you know. But uh, I'm not that. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, in fact, I have to worry about the as short as I am. I have to worry about getting my leg over the over the bottom ring, not to worry about bumping my head. But uh, I just I couldn't take a submarine. I, you know, six months underwater. No, thank you. And I yeah, I was really concerned about the logistics. You know, because I'm always thinking. So, what if something happens? Something malfunctions uh, and everything like that? You know, I, I would just panic. Um, some some things like that, you know. I, I, here in Johns Creek, I also went to the uh, 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 the fire uh, citizens fire academy, hmm. and um, th- that was interesting because we we had to uh, go into the burn building. So we would suit up in all the gear that the firemen had, and including the breather. And I had the misconception that you know it was just free flowing air, and you didn't have to pull air. And you have a tendency to hyperventilate. And going into the burn building, and what they do, they, they file you into a room, and then they set a fire. And it's usually a, uh, usually a propane fire. But you watch the fire go up the wall and then come across the ceiling. Wow. And, Kurt, you know, I'm, Kurt, I'm going fans- to have to interrupt you. I just ran a little long on a break. We'll oh, okay. uh, we'll be back with uh, Kurt Kennedy right after this and uh, enjoying every second of it. We'll be right. right back. Sounds good. Ring challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at EHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we're back with back with Kurt, and uh, we're talking about the JC Veterans Association and their healing wall. And uh, I want to mention the fact that it's open, and you can go and look at it any time that you want to, day or night. And uh, also, we want to mention the fact that. Um, Peachtree Corners has a great memorial, and also the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, which is downtown right across the street from the Capitol. Uh, Georgia's becoming quite a uh, hub of, of uh, places for folks to go and visit uh, memorials and, uh, and uh, projects that are dedicated to uh, veterans, and I, I think it's wonderful. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, kind of a segue into the, my comments about uh, the fire academy, but there there is a, a fire station that's right across from Newtown Park. And one of the things that the veterans do in their meetings, they always invite the firemen over uh, uh, for a meal. Mm-hmm. I mean, these guys kind of live there in the firehouse, and they come over, they, they, they bring their trucks over, too, and uh, but these guys sit and they, they have a meal with the veterans, and that's uh, and they're always there every every meeting. I don't know if they were there when you, when you were there, Dave. That guys come in. Uh, I really uh, I don't remember. I don't think they were, but uh, I, I could be mistaken. Yeah, they're 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 usually always open invited, and that that's also you know, we had the conversation earlier about uh, the wall and uh, the damage that it sustained from vandals. And, uh, you know, uh, Mike uh, Mizell came with the idea and said, well, if they're going to put cameras up here, they need to uh, have the cameras uh, 
and the monitors over in the fire station because the fire station is right across the street there. And if anything is going on, uh, they can have the police there in a, in a matter of minutes. And I think that was a, that was a good idea. So that's kind of a, uh, our partnership with the police, with the police and the uh, and the uh, fire department to protect the wall. You know, I uh, I couldn't believe it, but then again, I can't believe what's happening today too. So. Um I, you know, there's, there's just a different generation and the way our parents taught us and the way other parents are teaching their kids today, I guess. I, I, I fault the parents a whole lot more than I do the kids themselves because if the kids were well-trained and well-schooled, I might add, which I'm very much against... Um, our public schools and what they're not learning in public schools about our veterans, about our our wars, and uh, about what this country is all about. And I'm I'm embarrassed to say that some of our books are so lacking in in quality and information that uh, I, I find it hard to believe they can even call it a history book or or a history class anymore. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of a, a kind of a sad commentary. So you know, it, the reality is, even if we weren't talking about the wall, but uh, vandalizing public property, um, you know, um, yeah. We, when I saw the damage and, and and looked at it, I said, well, it, it's probably kids that are doing this. I don't think an adult uh, would go through that process. And I and I watched the scratches on the wall, and as that wall. Uh, elevates and gets up to almost seven foot in height at the center you could see where the scratch stopped at a certain level so obviously it was somebody who wasn't tall enough to reach above and it, it came across the the scratches came across the lettering and the names that we can't repair i mean we can get the scratches at the top that's just into the into the black part of it but when you get down to where the lettering is you know we're probably not going to be able to do anything with that you know, this is what whoever did this doesn't understand, but they couldn't have been there if it wasn't for those guys and women that protected and gave them the opportunity in one shape, form, or fashion. And that's uh, our military, and God bless our military men, women, and all branches of the service. Uh, we we are the strongest country in the world because we have the best military now of any place in the world. And uh, our founding fathers realized how important the military was. And today I'm thankful that uh, it's back up to the place that it was. And uh, so, uh, and like I said, if you're, think, if you're graduating or not sure what you want to do with your life, Look at joining the military. Uh, it is it is the greatest opportunity going. And so you were. Uh, tell us more about your service. Well, um, you know, like I said, uh, you know, I spent three years in Europe, and uh, and 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 being in missile equipment maintenance, as it were, with the with Nike Hercules missiles on stateside. Uh, the missiles were housed underground. They were in kind of elevator silos, so they come up, uh, come up an elevator, and then roll out onto the the rails to be launched. In Europe, they were not. They were in buildings, hmm. and th- what they had done is they, they created these, you know, two-story uh, earthen bunkers all the way around. So uh, from the land side, you couldn't see the buildings and everything. And uh, my job was to, uh, number one, is, is to do the regular uh, daily maintenance on those, uh, on those missiles. And one of the things, they had uh, compressed air uh, and hydraulics, so you had to make sure that the compressed air was at the right level. So I had to drag one of those daily uh, air compressors downrange. I had to maintain the, the 45 kW generators. Now, those missiles uh, systems down there, they ran on 400 hertz power. Hmm. And during the day, we had regular, they were runoff frequency converters from the German uh, power company. But when we went hot battery, 
those uh, those 45 kW generators had to be online. It couldn't run commercial power. Interesting. Oh boy. <laughs> and but therein therein lies the rub because uh, getting those generators started, especially in that cold weather, and invariably you had to bleed the lines and you had to use ether to get those things going and you couldn't do that with your gloves on and so i mean you got diesel fuel all over the place on your hands and you couldn't wear a blouse to boots you had to wear the steel tail engineer boots but you had to get those things up and running and i always had to have a spare uh, generator a couple of spares and i'd have to run those things up and down that range you know if one wouldn't start couldn't get it started i had to go back and forth wow so I had my own deuce and half uh, truck, and back in that trailer into a stall, you had to you got to be pretty good at it. I bet. <laughs> you know, and uh, and I had to maintain the power plant because that ran off diesel. Now, what did I know about maintaining the power plant? I didn't know anything, but I had to I had to learn because when it got cold there, you know, and the ready building where the guys come off guard duty, mm -hmm. I mean. <laughs> They didn't have any heat. These guys would be grumpy as all get out. <laughs> and they would find you to express their opinion, I bet. Oh, yes, my fault. <laughs> and I, I had one incident where uh, I, I forgot to measure and reorder uh, the diesel that went into the tank that fed the boiler. And, boy, you talk about trouble. And I had to, I had to wait two days for that, uh, for that uh, truck to get there and fill that tank. Wow. <laughs> so you live and you learn. Yes, sir. And uh, the Army gives you, or any of our branches, give you the opportunity to learn. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're incentivized. I mean, because, you know, that only had to happen to you once. Right. <laughs> and uh, then you learn how to keep that thing going. You learn how to go and, and make the proper checks uh, to make sure that this thing, uh, the igniters, uh, when they were worn out and everything, you had to wait to get new parts in. But in the meantime, you had to keep the thing going. So you know, this is this is what. Now, I, I quite honestly, only from a long, long distance, know what you're talking about. Just barely, barely. Oh, but gee. this is what our country, our the folks that have never served. They would have no idea, and and you know, I guess one of the things too that that I learned when I was on active duty was that uh, some of the littlest things mean the most. Just like you were talking about a warm uh, place to come back to, and, oh yeah, uh, you know, and it can be the littlest thing—a hot cup of chocolate, hot chocolate, or hot cup of coffee, or whatever. And uh, we today, we make mountains out of molehills when, uh, where you were, everything was a mountain and uh, there were no molehills. Everything was, I don't want to say exaggerated, but it was always the littlest thing could be the most important thing. Yes, it, 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 was, it was a different type of environment, you know, where this missile uh Missile sites is uh, they had the launcher area and the fire control area, and they were geographically distant. Uh, but where we were, we were right in the middle of a, a Ruder Baker field or someplace out there. And one of the problems we had was <clears throat> rats. Hmm. And these 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 were the not the little mice. These, these were rats. The big suckers. And the big suckers. And you know what? They weren't afraid of you. When they get that big, they're not afraid of you. So um, I had a couple encounters with a couple of those things. And uh, in, the, in the summer when it was hot, the ready building, we'd leave the doors open. And some of those guys would come right on in. And you're laying there sleeping, you know. One guy was there sleeping and felt something tugging on his, uh, his, his pants leg. And he looked up, and there, and there was one of those rats. Mm. I had absolutely no fear of you. And... Uh, but, you know, we, we adjusted, and, and and on Sunday afternoons, we didn't have anything to do. Uh, we went after these games. They, they had burrows in the ground, and we went after them as a field of sport. <laughs> Guys sitting there, nothing else to do. Let's go, let's go do something with these things. That's funny. 
Uh, we, 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 had, uh, we, we, had, we had pretty good times. The guys, uh, I mean, I even had it on occasion had to pull guard duty when we were shorthanded. So we had to climb up there in that tower, and there was nothing out there. But uh, you had to be, we had four guard posts around that, uh, around that facility, and we'd sit up there in those uh, guard towers for your little four-hour duty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, mean, I, I did a, a bunch of different things there. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll bet you, and and you and I have never met, but I'll I'll bet you that another advantage of the military is the people that you meet and the friends that you make. And I would venture to say, even though this was a few years ago for you, that you still keep track of a few of the folks that uh, you met when you were in. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and. Uh there's, a, there's a, a couple of guys that you know were in that uh, Hercules missile program. That you know, I got a you know a good buddy that uh, lives up here in, in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, you know he and I go way back. I mean, years and years. Uh, uh, that's before my my duty, uh, my uh, discharge, and that and working uh, in Washington D.C. as a computer technician. Hmm. Uh, I got reacquainted with him there. Because uh, he ended up in the same same uh, same company that I did. Wow! I tell you what, we're going to have to stop here and take another break. Uh, you're listening to America's Web Radio, and we'll be back with Kurt Kennedy right after a couple of messages. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we do thank you for listening. And I also want to take this opportunity to thank uh, we're, we're getting more and more folks that are sending in uh, and becoming patrons. And it may be $5, 10 $50 a month, uh, but they're becoming patrons because they enjoy our programming. And we certainly do appreciate it. A lot of our programming like this is not is sponsored by my right pocket so uh, we do want to thank the folks that have joined us and joined as patrons and and give uh, like i said five ten twenty fifty dollars a month to keep this programming on the air and it's the greatest in the world and we have a number of shows that are veteran oriented and our military oriented and then we have a lot of medical shows and we just have a, a very diverse radio station that we try to advocate for for all the good folks and we certainly appreciate uh, our veterans no question about that but anyway we've got uh, Kurt Kennedy on the uh, air with us and he was stationed in Germany and was about to tell another one of those stories yeah, what <clears throat> we we had we had um, an incredible uh, amount of camaraderie um, as units there. Uh, especially, you know, we, we had different parts of. There was a launcher uh, uh, crew, and then there was a fire control crew, and yeah, just different. But one of the things that happened during that that period of sixties uh, is that rank was real easy to get. 
I mean, so you know, you know, I landed in Germany as a as a, as a single strike private, uh, but when I rotated back to the states, I was an E five, and uh, and that was kind of a, a, a strange story to how that happened. It wasn't my fault, but uh, you know, providence uh, plays a part in these things. Uh, one of the things that happened in, in Europe is that they had an unprecedented amount of military vehicles involved in accidents. Now, you can imagine if you're out there on the Autobahn and everybody's going 180 miles an hour and you're out there in a deuce and half <laughs> and, you know, and you look in your rearview mirror and there's a, a big Mercedes coming down the road and, and he's got to be two or three miles behind you flashing his lights for you to get over. And these guys are really flying. So there's been a lot of accidents. And so I had my, my truck, and I, I was, went to the motor pool to pick my truck up. My truck was getting brakes on it. And the motor pool chief said, well, this guy just came off duty. He said, just take his truck. And this guy had a brand-new deuce and half multi-fuel, brand-new. And I said, okay. I got in his truck. I left the concern. I hadn't got into third gear before the MPs pulled me over. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was about, you know. And the guy and said they were U.S. Army uh, roadside inspection team. And so there was a, you know, a lieutenant and a, a captain there, and they had the little things all up underneath the truck, raised the hood. And I had my story. I said, well, I don't know what this is about. But I knew it was something significant if these guys were out here doing that. And the guy came back to me and says, let me see that log book again. And I said, okay. And I gave him the log book. And he said, this is the first one. And I was ready for this, you know, some bad news. He said, this is the first 100% score that we've received in the five years. And what I didn't understand was that if you fail that inspection, you and your commander had to go to brigade headquarters and explain that. And wow. if you're an officer, you know, that could be career limiting for you. Hmm. But at any rate, um, so I got that 100% raw score, and I had to go up, and they, you know, the general came down for a formation, put that E5 stripe on, here's a little bit of cash, and you get some days off. And I took off, and I went to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> the guy whose truck I was driving, he cried and cried and cried, said it wasn't fair. <laughs> I didn't have nothing to do with it. Like you said, it's fate. Yeah. Um, but that that was uh, one of the nuances of, of that. Uh, one of the things that also is that uh, uh, I was a bouncer in the enlisted in the enlisted man's club. Now you say, well, gee, what kind of duty is that for you? But it was a little extra cash, you know. And uh, I gave that up once I became an E5 because I couldn't be over there doing that. But uh, we had a combat engineer battalion uh, on the same concern, and these guys spent about six months out of the year in the field. And these are the guys that build bridges and roads and all, and you talk about a tough bunch. <laughs> well, when those guys came in out of the field, you didn't want to be over the club with them because they're going to get drunk and they want to fight. Yeah. And, gee with You know, that, since you and I were in, uh, things have changed so much there, there was no uh, mixing of officers and enlisted personnel. There was no fraternization Absolutely. at all. But, Not at all. But today, that has all changed. Uh, enlisted and officers play on the same golf course. In many situations now, they have, instead of just being an O club, it's an E and O club. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's just... Things have changed, and I I can't honestly say whether I think they're better or worse. I don't know. I'm I, I've been a long time since I've been in, but uh, you know it, it's all changed, and there was absolutely no fraternization at all. That would get you in some hot water, but uh, that's all changed now. Yeah, because I always thought that there was there's good rationale for that because it, it eroded the command structure. Mm -hmm. um, um, rightly or wrongly, you know, you, you could make a case that some of these uh, officers were not worthy of command structure. But, 
you you had the organization and it depended on it you know there you know orders given were you know orders received you have to carry out and uh if that breaks down then then you you don't have uh you don't have a cohesive front That's and that true. was especially true in uh especially in the in the vietnam uh on the ground environment uh, and these guys had to carry out some tremendous orders uh and i mean you're in direct line of fire risking life for limb is a little different in in a place where I was, where you're basically in readiness and support. Um, uh, even when we we came stateside and the stateside uh, Nike Hercules before they phased them out, they were in all they were all over the place. Sometimes in residential areas, hmm. would you believe it? But most of the people never knew they were there. Interesting. They never knew they were there, and. Uh, uh, they just saw. They thought it was just some army guys there, but a lot of those uh, those barracks, uh, the missile silos are still there. Uh, you know, there's no missiles there. They rolled all those out, but those uh, you know two stories, uh, some of them two stories deep in the ground, mm-hmm. and they're still there, probably full of water now. I know a couple <laughs> of installations uh, that are federal government installations now, like uh, FEMA. Has hmm. occupied some, and of course, the organization you know well, and that's Defense Finance and Accounting Service, <laughs> the Network Operations Center in uh, in Bradenall. You Interesting. Know. Uh, you know, again, I uh, you think of all of the, and for lack of better words, stuff, but all of the different equipment and things that the military has or had. And some are still in storage. Some are probably lost in action, and uh, yet could be used. And I, I thought it's I, I, well. I thought it was terrible when cities quit buying. They'd be offered uh, military vehicles that would put down riots or anything else, and. Uh, and the cities decided, oh, no, we're, it's becoming too militaristic, and people will think, you know, we're trying to take over and all this. No, you're, you're you know, a cop's just like a soldier. He has a duty to do, and he should be given the best equipment to do it with. And uh, Army surplus is the best equipment in the world. Well, I mean, other than it, it sits there and deteriorates, and uh, the only argument you, you hear against that is that... Uh, um, it's not so much the military uh, equipment uh, uh, that that police uh, police use. It, it's probably the idea about uh, the protect and serve mission starts to erode because now they they look at civilians as as enemies. It's us and them, and that's probably one of the key reasons we have uh, we have issues today because of that attitude. You know, I think I shared with you, uh, I was with the Johns Creek uh, Citizens Police Academy, and uh, and we we did, we had the patrol, we had a little old white car, I don't know if you've ever seen that around there, with the light bar on top, it says uh, Johns Creek Citizens Police, uh, but these are volunteers, I think Alpharetta had one, an organization like that too. Yeah, Sandy Springs still has them. Yeah, and those, those are good support organizations, and uh and they do a lot of the stuff that, you know, we were doing, like uh, vacation checks. You're going on vacation for a week or so, and you say, well, I just need somebody to just come and just check on the house every now and then. And, you know, it's good. And, you know, with traffic issues, uh, uh, you don't tie up a policeman uh, in an accident, and he's sitting there tying up his time waiting on uh, the wrecker to come and everything. So. oh. We'll just put the flares out, and we'll wait for the record to come. We'll clean the stuff up for you. You guys can go on about your business. So, you know, it works out for them. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the equipment, they get a lot of criticism, especially in today's, about over-policing. And, you know, that's heavily in the news now anyway. Uh, but there's re- good rationale, but it's, it's the discipline. Uh, uh, in the military, the discipline and mission uh, was very well founded. Right. These guys knew exactly what their mission was. They knew exactly what they could and they should and they couldn't do. 
Uh, it's very clear because uh, the the control and regiment of the military was there. It's not always that way with with police. But oh. One of the things you see with with police is that you get single individuals in a car, and not a team. You know, uh, in military you got the, you got your whole team structure there. Right. With and that, that makes that makes a difference to how you behave. With that, we're going to have to take our final break. We'll be back with Kurt right after this. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, folks. So we're back on America's Web Radio with our guests, uh, Kurt Kennedy. And, uh, you know, it's it's like we were just talking off, off air. There's... Uh, as as I mentioned, one of the colonels that uh, has been quite active with us um, says there are no coincidences. Uh, and yet, I can say when I was in, uh, we I had a bunch of them, and and the chances and I we had somebody on the other day that they had a very similar story to mine. Is that uh, you know they looked up and. Uh, there someone was that they had gone to high school with, and I had the same thing happen uh, when I was in AIT. So, anyway, uh, Kurt, it, it's I love listening to to uh, the stories that you and all the rest of the men and women have had. By the way, I I, I want to promote something if you don't mind me doing it. For, sure, go ahead. For uh, the Johns Creek Healing Wall, we had. Uh, uh, a lady on the other day, a veteran, a uh, colonel, and um, she was talking about uh, she was very uh, instrumental in getting the the uh, women's statue in front of the the wall in uh, D.C. And uh, we, there are no more of those to be purchased or or had. But I talked to her about just putting up. A small brass uh, something or the other in front of the the healing wall at Johns Creek, and I would like to pursue it and give honor and respect and let you know everybody. You say military and they everybody thinks men, but women played one heck of a role in Vietnam, uh, either nurses or even uh, outside of outside of medicine and. Uh, I just think the the healing wall in Johns Creek should have a little little monument, memorial, whatever you want to call it, little plaque that uh, shows our respect for the, the women that served and died. A lot of women died in Vietnam. Oh yes, yes. And uh, you know, and I I always always tell the world my biggest heroes in the world are those dust off pilots. Holy cow! <laughs> What those guys did, just uh, you know, uh, when they when they died, and a lot of them are dying now. But uh, when they die, Satan's got to be scared to death of them coming down. It's tough guys. Oh, but you, you know, uh, but uh, uh, Mike and I talked about uh, the, uh, something there for the women, and and we even said, well, we're gonna we're gonna pursue that, and basically we're gonna. Place uh, some sort of monument, and we looked at the location uh, there, uh, uh, going up to the walkway, and uh, you know that's going to happen. It, it's re- it's really important, and I've had a lot of people say, "Well, we we have to come and see this uh, and this wall," and uh, 
we we discussed how we were going to do the you know the ground lighting mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so that people could walk up there and uh, they if you've ever you you've been to the wall and you know that that concrete walkway mm -hmm. that goes around the wall around the back and then connects with the other walkway and the rest of the uh, uh, memorial garden and they had some guys come out there and you know they staked those forms out and poured that concrete in one day wow incredible uh when they you know when mike gets these guys fired up and ready to go <laughs> uh, they do an excellent job uh but you know i have to give a shout out to mike and uh uh keith and and bill and you know especially uh um you know the other guys that helped there to uh carry those those uh granite slabs so they could be mounted onto mm. that concrete wall these things are 200 pounds and yeah it's going to take two guys but you know you're, you're doing that for a while and and nobody a teenager out there no sir <laughs> you know <laughs> and and, and and you know Mike uh, and these guys and some of the guys had back problems. Mizell had a back problem, so he's not going to be doing that. But uh, you know it was it was hard work, and fortunately it was slow enough because we only had one guy uh, who was uh, the mason that was actually uh, cutting and trimming and making sure that stuff was uh, glued and adhered to those wall to the wall, the concrete thing, mm -hmm. and we had. Uh, we had guys that were dedicated, you know. Every day we're there. If we didn't get rained out or they had to do some other uh, work to adjust the, the concrete itself that, uh, that, the, that the granite slabs went on. But that was hard work. And, uh, and these guys, nobody was a teenager out there doing that stuff. And we had a lot of people come and just stand and watch. But you didn't, you didn't get a whole bunch of people out there helping. It's only because it's only one uh, stonemason there. So that was uh, if there were two, process would have went faster. But you had to wait on him. But uh, I'll make again. I'll make you another bet that anybody that was there that was volunteering, you didn't have to ask them but once. Go ahead. Most most of the guys that came out there, and this is. This everybody understood. If they were physically able to lift those 200-pound slabs of granite, they would. You know, but a lot of the, a lot of the guys weren't. And then, of course, you know, we had the virus we were contending to, with as well. Right. So that kind of limited how much you know. And and doing a lot of physical activity with a mask on, you know, your oxygen level gets kind of low. <laughs> so you know, you invariably got to stop and take a breather. Sure. Sure. So that was the other thing that contributed to it. So, uh, so fortunately, it was only one one uh, uh, brick mason doing this stuff. But the activity was slow enough, other than the lifting. But it was slow enough that you could kind of catch your breath. Well, it, it's an amazing project and a beautiful project. And uh, want to invite anybody, either that lives in Atlanta or lives in Johns Creek or. They're close by, go by Johns Creek and the uh, Newtown Park and look at the healing wall. But with that being said, we have a lot of listeners all over the world. And if you're coming to Atlanta for vacation or for, for any reason, look up the wall and what it's all about. And then, you know, if you can't go to D.C. and see the big one, well, come to Johns Creek and see the 50% size. But... You know, this is this is something that you and I touched on, uh, Kurt. That uh, bring your kids and grandparents and parents explain what the healing wall and what the wall is all about. The fifty-eight thousand names that are on it that died for you and for me, and uh, it's so important, in my opinion, to fill in where our textbooks aren't filling in. And tell your kids and your grandkids and and their grandkids about Vietnam, about World War Two, World War One, Korean War, uh, and if you go to uh, the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame, they can be they can be exposed to every war that we've been in, and this is true of uh, 
the uh, latest, the Gulf War, the uh, Desert Shield and Desert Storm, um, and the heroes of people, and, and understand and get an idea of what it means to uh, to uh, raise your hand and say, you know, I will be a part of this, and I want to defend our country, both foreign and domestic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> one, one thing, uh, uh, David, I want to share with, uh, as far as the wall and as far as uh, looking at the future completion, one of the things we're looking at uh, coming down the pike here is to get the kiosk installed. And with this kiosk, that you can go to the kiosk and you can go in and you can find a name on the kiosk and it'll tell you exactly where, what panel, and what position that name is. And they'll give you a little bit of history of that person. So if you're looking for a relative, you say, well, gee, I know they died anywhere in the war and everything, but I, I can't find it. Well, you can find the name there. Wow. And with this kiosk also will allow you to do is you can make a contribution uh, to the wall there at that kiosk. And that's something that's really important. Uh, we're really looking forward to that happening. Oh, I, I, that's great. That's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it does take money. And it takes money to keep it up, money to keep it repaired and and in uh, great right. shape. And I know that uh, you know, you all, the Johns Creek Veterans Association, wants to present the, give it the best foot forward. And uh, again, I salute you and and Mike Mazel for the work that you all have done on it and uh, the uh, foresight to bring it to Johns Creek. And uh, and I salute Johns Creek, the city of Johns Creek, for uh, cooperating and uh, being a part of it as well. Yes, and we've had a, a lot of citizens' participation uh, as far as uh, doing the, the real, the first acquisition. Uh, you know, we, we had a citizen uh, uh, family, of uh, Corey, Corey Davenport, that, uh, that helped us in securing uh, that, uh, that wall exhibit. And we had a lot of people that made contributions. If, we, if you look throughout that area, you'll see the, the granite benches, and, and and with names on them, uh, but uh, people made sizable donations, to not only to the Memorial Park, but now they're also making donations to help with the wall. So we, we got a, we got a lot of citizen support there as well. And as far as donations go, America's Web Radio will take them too. Oh yes, <laughs> I can believe. Uh, you know, and and we want to keep. Uh, doing the job that we're doing. You're hearing things on America's Web Radio that you'll never hear on any other station in the country, as a matter of fact. And uh, we're very proud of it. Uh, we had two doctors on today. Well, two doctors, and one of the doctors is also a politician. So we had, we covered all of our bases this morning. <laughs> but, um, you know, and this this is what we're all about, is to give you give the audience and we have people in australia that follow us we have people all over the country and uh england we have a, a very good audience in england and and it's always fun to hear from them and if you're listening and you haven't contacted us we'll do and uh we'd love to hear from you so with that being said we're i want to thank kurt and rick white uh rick put kurt and i together and uh i uh want to thank him and uh and uh kurt thank you for giving up an hour on on uh, your thursday to uh, tell us about what's going on in john's creek but also what you did in the service and uh how you know like i said i i love the service and the service should be in everybody's mind to potentially join and give back to our country the best country in the world yeah, you're absolutely right, and I, I really appreciate being part of this. Uh, um, and I again thank uh, you know uh, Rick White for uh, you know uh, putting me in contact with you. Uh, he's he's a good friend, and uh, we developed a lot of camaraderie there working on that wall. 
Well, there's, there's always one other little thing that uh, I like to ask, and that is, will you come back? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That, we, we got more stories to tell. <laughs> that, at least one or two. Oh, yeah. Well, in, in, the, in the interim, you can figure out what stories you're going to tell, and we'll have you back on. Hey, man, I really appreciate it, Dave. Kurt, thank you, sir. Talk to you in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.